We are starting a study through a new portion of God's Word, uh, new to us. It's not new, new, but it's new to us here on our Sunday morning teaching time. So it's the book of James. So if you have a copy of God's Word, whether it be like a physical copy, electronic copy, I'd love for you to take that out. We're going to be looking at the first four verses of James, James 1, 1 to 4. And uh, Sarah Ogata is going to read uh, for us by, by video, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. So this is James 1, 1 to 4. This morning we will be reading James 1, 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I'm grateful for, very grateful for Sarah reading that. Question for you to get going to think about this morning. What would it take for you to change your mind about something? What would it take for you to change your mind about something? I'm not talking like whether fried okra is tasty or whether watching golf is boring or not. I'm talking about like mindset, worldview kind of things. What would it take for you to having thought one way about something, for you to change your mind and think differently about it? Probably it's going to take time. It's probably not going to happen like the flip of a switch. I say that because, fair warning today, James is all about changing our mind, changing our perspective, our mindset on some things. He is going to push us to do that. He's going to work to change the way we assess things. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. He had watched his half-brother, Jesus Christ, die on the cross, and he had watched him rise from the dead, and that changed everything for him. And so he brings with that perspective, and I'm not sure exactly what it may take for you and I to change our mind on certain things, but I do, like I have been praying this week that the Lord would, would work on us, would change our hearts and change our minds, especially when it comes to some of those verses that we just read. This morning, I want you to notice that like James goes off the high dive immediately into the deep end when he begins in verse 2 talking about trials, trials of various kinds. I mean, lots of books have like long greetings. Lots of books of the Bible have these long greetings. James has one verse, and he says greetings, and now he gets into some pretty tough stuff, some pretty deep water, trials of various kinds. James is telling us, you are going to be dealing with these trials, you are going to walk through some tough stuff. So we know that. As a matter of fact, our internal makeup, maybe some of us, even just human flesh, not to mention just sinful flesh, we're, we're more likely to be anxious than others. We're more likely to doubt and worry. Or maybe there's something internally that you want to just take charge of everything, take control of everything, and that's just kind of part of who you've always been. And that means you have trials, you face certain trials when that doesn't happen. There are certainly trials that come from outside of us that we have no control over. Think like pandemic. Think of a diagnosis that you could do everything right and still get something that shook up your world. Trials of various kinds. There are interpersonal trials, aren't there? There are the trials because we, God has positioned us in close proximity to another person. We face trials. Maybe we don't get along. There's conflict trials of various kinds. 
This text says when you meet the trials, when you face the trials, that doesn't necessarily mean you go looking for them. It means that they, they came. Sometimes these trials of various kinds are like they're unpredictable, and sometimes they're hard to read because we don't know how long they will last. Is this like a temporary nagging headache or something that'll, it's just like, we'll wait it out here? Or is it something like, no, no, now this is a permanent trial that you're going to have to deal with. We don't know. It kind of comes up on the path we're walking. That's the picture, like when you encounter these trials of various kinds. So at least this far in Scripture, we can be encouraged that what James is telling us, James is not in denial. So James doesn't say, you don't really have trials, you have blessings. Everything's a blessing. And, and we may need to get some perspective on that, but that's not what James says. He says, no, no, there really are some difficult things. There really are some complicated things. And you don't have to like go, well, you know, it's just not that bad. Like you don't even have to play that game because sometimes, no, 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 it is that hard. And it is that like wearing on our souls. So what I'd like for you to do is think through maybe a trial or two that you are dealing with. Maybe it's one even you're sharing with someone very close to you. Because James, the, the whole series in, in James, and we're going to spend several weeks in James, is going to be called Living the Faith. And James is going to push us not to have theories on things, but actually, okay, we, we believe these. I mean, we sang it, didn't we? In Christ alone, Christ alone. We believe those things, but how are those going to walk, walk themselves out in our lives? So I'm going to ask you to think of one or two, probably if you say one or two, curves, I have 200. Well, probably 200 is not going to be helpful, but maybe one or two or three or four to get a perspective of, so that like when, when we say trials of various kinds, it, and this isn't about comparison of like, well, I have these trials, but someone has it so much worse, or they think that's a trial, but they ought to really, it's not, let's not play that game. We all have our own trials. What is the response we're supposed to have? According to verse 2 of James 1, some of the first instruction of James, is to consider it joy, to count it it's pure joy. Count it as joy when you meet up with these trials. And that's where I go, okay, for me to do that, I've got to have my mind changed. My perspective has to change. Because actually, that's not the first place I go. I put all the cards on the table. I count it a joy when I don't have to face trials. When I realize I just missed this. Ah, uh, this could have been so hard, but I'm glad I don't have, you know, that's, I count that a joy. And actually, I tend to count trials sometimes as not joy, but a fluke. I go, what? How am I the unlucky one? Like, this happens to one in 10,000 people. And I happen to, are you serious? I happen to be the one in 10,000 that drew the short straw to have to deal with this straw. Nobody else has had. I count it as a fluke. And sometimes, again, all the cards on the table here, I count it as a real problem. I don't count it as a joy. So when I hear this passage, I realize, okay, my mind has to change. James says my mindset should be realizing that trials could be an occasion for joy. So I need to acknowledge something before we go into, like, too deep into the water that we're swimming in today. All right, and I need you, I need you to listen very, very carefully right here. Because what James is going to teach us about trials is not the only thing that the Bible says about trials. It's not the only thing. So James has something to teach us. 
But James is not even going to mention in this passage that we're going to read, he's not going to mention that the Bible does assure you that Jesus is with you in your trials. I say that because that may be the word you need to hear. James goes a different route. So the Bible tells us that we can be assured that the one who is for us, Jesus, is going to be with us. And the Bible assures us that we have a destiny. If we are in Christ, we are going to be okay. So again, what James has to teach us is not in, you're not going to find those in those verses that we read. They certainly operate with that as a premise, but you don't find it said explicitly. So it's not the only thing. What we're going to talk about in the next few moments is not the only thing the Bible says. And by the way, it's also probably not the first thing I want to hear when I'm dealing with intense suffering and intense pain. I say that because sometimes people learn a Bible verse, and they take that Bible verse, and I'm all for memorizing and learning Bible verses. But sometimes those Bible verses can be misused almost as a club. So when someone is dealing with deep grief, they may feel like a Bible verse gets, I count it all joy. Consider it nothing but joy. And in that way, I have to believe the Bible's being misused if it isn't sensitive to the person that actually is dealing with maybe an intense heartbreak. So I just, I, I want to just make sure we're all aware that for some, when we talk about trials of various kinds, it is very raw and sensitive. So I just want to acknowledge that. But, but by saying it's not the only thing the Bible says, and by saying it's not the first thing I always want to hear, I also just need to make sure you realize, and we all realize, it is very crucial that you have this perspective that we're going to hear about today. It is, I, I'm desperate for us to operate as a church family with this mindset that, that we are going to hear today. So the fact that it's not the only thing the Bible says, it, it doesn't take away anything from the fact that it's so important and so crucial that we understand what the Bible says. So here's where I want to drill down. If the Bible tells us to consider it joy when we face trials of various kinds, why can we do that? And it's so good because James doesn't just tell us that we need to do it. He also gets into why we can, why we can. You know, the first help even in this passage, I think, to our thinking is something that James says you already know, and that is, as this trial meets you, whatever that trial that you identified with a moment ago, as this trial meets you, James would tell you something is happening. Something is happening. Facing trials isn't putting you in this wasteland of nothingness where nothing is going on because that can get really draining really quick. When trials get a little hot and go a little long, like that, that is hard to think, this isn't doing anything. This is just pointless. What James says in verse 3 is he says, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So something is happening. Something is happening because there's a test going on. Something is happening because endurance, steadfastness is being produced. Something is happening. The trying of your faith is doing something. So we know the testing or the trying of our faith. We know what tests do. They expose things. So tests, like a stress test, is going to expose some things. A standardized test is meant to evaluate and expose something. 
A diagnostic test is to help us get some clarity on something. It says, okay, here's where things are. And spiritually, what James is saying is tests have that way. Spiritually of doing, it shows us where we are. It exposes some things. The testing of our faith shows us some things. It, it, it evaluates, it exposes, is this relationship we have with God, is it core to what we are? Or is there like lots of other things that are core to who we are and this is just the kind of a part of it? Or is it like, no, 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 this is central to who we are. It exposes, do you really believe that God is a good father? Do you believe that? It exposes this. Trials expose these things. Is God really in control? Do you believe that? Was the cross really meant for you? Or is it just the story that religious people find interesting? Does the resurrection mean that everything has changed permanently? Or is that just kind of part of the Christian tradition. See, this exposes, is my destiny secure? Is the Holy Spirit really with me? The tests, the trials of various kinds, it, it, it tests, it puts some things to the test. It's a test of faith. So something is happening. There's a test going on. Something is happening. Endurance, the passage says, endurance is being produced. The testing of our faith produces. And the words are different in different translations, so I don't know exactly the one you have in front of you, but some say, steadfastness is produced or endurance or perseverance whatever it is it is not passive like it is a fight it's like you're pushed to a limit and what is produced is like you hung on and you have endurance now there's staying power you're growing stronger even if it doesn't feel like it so i can remember at the beginning of a sports season back in high school the first week of any sports season which is miserable I can think of whether it be the two a days in football or just, you know, the general, the first week or two of practice was just horrible because so much of that was just conditioning. And all it felt like that was happening in those first couple weeks is I am just getting broken down and worn out. Like nothing's happening here. Nothing is happening to prepare me for sport because I knew it all as a 10th grader. 11th grader, like I know, I can evaluate and assess. Nothing good can come out of me having to run another wind sprint. And yet my coach knew better. He knew what was developing is an endurance. So this limit now is a little bit further, a little bit further. You can hang on a little bit longer. You've got a little bit more energy that you've developed. It just takes time for that to happen. The writer of Hebrews says that his readers, Hebrews 10.36, you have need of endurance. He wrote to them, but I think he's writing to us. I have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Life is hard, and life may go on, like, in a hard way for a long time. You have need of endurance because you're going to have a set of relationships in your life. You're going to have lots of relationships, and you're going to need endurance for those. You've got responsibilities, and there are, many of those are going to increase over time. And you're going to need endurance to fulfill those responsibilities so that you don't just like quit and leave everybody with a problem because you quit. You're going to need endurance to persevere. You have callings on your life. Some of those are going to be hard. And you're going to need endurance. There's going to be ups, but there, there's going to be a series of things that take you down in life. And you're going to need endurance to get through those. You're going to need endurance. You're going to encounter disappointments and heartbreaks. Will you endure? You're you're building your endurance. The, the testing of your faith is building that endurance, the, like some sticking power, some staying power that you're going to hang in there. 
even when it feels like not much is happening. I was thinking about this even kind of in relational terms, so it's easy for me to think of it in exercise terms and sports terms, but even in relationship terms. So I go back to a day, May 19th, 2001. That's the day when I made a series of promises to my wife. And I think I meant all of them. And, and we had been dating a while, so I mean, our relationship had, had gone for a while, but like, there is something about saying I do and putting the rings on. Like, it, it, it really does change things. And I think of how committed I was to the relationship at that point, committed enough to make all sorts of promises. But then I think over time, as seasons have gone by, and I continue, continue to move forward in this relationship as maybe even better said as Shauna continues to have patience with me in this relationship. And then I began to kind of replay our life together. And I began to think of some of the economic challenges we faced. I think we, we persevered through that. And then I think of like moving and I think of ER visits in the middle of the night I think that just builds a relationship that, like, we are together in this. And I think of going to the cemetery and with the death of our grandparents, walking together through the death of my dad. When I think of the disappointment attached to miscarrying our first child and how, what that does in a relationship, what that does when there are seasons of weariness, and there have been millions of good things, But then over time, I'd have to say that commitment I made in 2001, like, it has grown infinitely stronger by 2020, the love we have. You see, these trials, I mean, endurance and perseverance have been built. Trials, which are faith tests, are designed to produce this persistent endurance. Like, okay, we know how to get across finish lines. We know how to endure. So I, I wonder that thing that I ask you, like identify that, that trial or a couple of those trials. Are you convinced something is happening? And you say, maybe not there yet, but I, I keep thinking about it. Are you convinced that something is happening? Listen to what James says. Because you're hanging in there and something is happening. And you say, yeah, but I can't see it. And I say, yes, it's a test of faith. And you know what faith is? Faith is things you cannot see. If you could see it, it wouldn't be faith. So you are believing something about God. And this series is living the faith, so not just assenting to something mentally, but like you're living it out, and you're having to wake up each day going, do I believe this, even though I can't see it? Trying to make sense of your life according to what you like really have confidence in. So this passage says, faith produces the trials, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, but you have to keep on enduring because verse 4 says, let steadfastness have its full effect. Let it have its full effect. So like, it has to have this. You have to let it do this. What does it look like when you decide, like, I'm tired of this, and I'm going to hit the eject button. I'm tired of the testing of my faith. I don't care about endurance. I'm done. I'm going to abandon it. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought about that a lot. Does that look like you letting things just cool off between you and the Lord? And so the, the prayer that Evan prayed a moment ago, you just kind of let the passion die down and you go, I'm not going to talk to you much, God, and I'm not going to listen to you much. I'm I'm content to just kind of chill out in my relationship with you. 
that, that is when you like short circuit and endurance doesn't have its full effect. Is there a kind of coldness that sets in? Do you find yourself moving in the opposite direction of where you know to be right? Do, do you find yourself tempted to withdraw from community? And you, you're like, I just don't, I just don't want to deal with that. I, I think I'm just going to take steps. Even though I know seeing friends and brothers and sisters in Christ would be better for me, I just don't, I don't think I want to mess with it. Let, let all of this endurance have its full effect. Don't mail it in. Hang in there. This is a good time to re- revisit like what we we're trying to ask and trying to think about at the beginning because it's like, not just like, okay, I hear you, James, consider it joy. Okay, I hear that. Why can I? Well, why you can is because something is happening. But I want to go one step further. As we meet trials, not only is something happening, but we can say something good is happening. I want you to see this. Something, it's not just that something is happening, but James is going to tell us something good is happening. You are becoming better as endurance is doing its complete work. It's not even just that you're hanging in there. You are changing. You are growing. And then the synonyms start to pile up. So look at verse 4. It says, let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be, here's the end result, here's the goal to which we're going to, so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And each one of those has a little nuance, but they are telling us a picture, right? Kind of a, a composite picture of something good is going on. You are becoming complete, whole. You're not going to lack in things. One of my favorite writers on James pushed me this week, particularly in this passage. Uh, So it's Alec Matir says this, do we want to be like Jesus? Do we want to come to the full enjoyment of our salvation? Do we want, when we reach heaven, to have our perceptions and faculties sensitized that we will be able to see glory? Do you want that? Well, then let let endurance have its full effect. It's really good for me to hear. I need that challenge. Because I'll tell you what, if you ask me, I would have to tell you, I really don't want to be a hypocrite. All right? I don't want to be standing up here preaching something here and then everybody close to me see something very, very different. I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I don't want my loyalty for for Jesus, like whether I would be true to him or betray him, I don't want that to like go up and down. I want that to be consistent. I really do want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life. So when you see me, I want it to be growing in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. I want that to be the case. I want to be growing in that direction. I know I'm not going to be like sinless. I understand that, but I want to be growing. I really don't want to be living for things that five years, ten years, or ten thousand years from now would just be dumb and meaningless. And yet I gave a lot of time, my time to them. And they go, why did I do that? I only had a few years here. Why did I spend it that way? I don't want that to happen. I don't want my ego or my anger or my mouth or my materialism or an identity issue I have, I don't want that to go unchecked. I want that to be checked because 10 years from now, I want to be in a different place than I am right now. I want that. I really don't want there to be major gaps in my character where it seems like, well, this seems really good, but this part is like 
that is a, a real wreck. There are these gaps in his life. I, I, don't, I don't want that. So how is all this going to get refined in my life? How is it going to get refined in your life? If you think it's going to be easy, I think James is telling us, think again. Think again. This is going to be uphill and difficult in many ways. If you think this is like one step, quick, and like, I did it, think again. This is going to take some time. But it does work like this, and I know it works like this because I've looked around, even this week, I've seen some like evidences of like, okay, Lord, I'm preaching this, and yet here's, a, here's an illustration of how this works. Like I, I could say even over the last year or so, I've seen where someone is put in the place of being a caregiver for someone long-term. And that has worked into their heart, and they have a deeper love for their neighbors. And endurance did its work, even as they met trials of various kinds. I know, and you know, people who've had cancer. And that brought them the, the experience, the, the ugly dimensions of cancer actually brought them to a closer relationship with Jesus. As things that weren't that important got diminished, as things that were ultimately important became the focus. I've seen where someone who is aging get humbled and like their character is developed. I've seen someone where they've had a breakup in a relationship that really mattered to them. And that was a trial. But that breakup ended up producing gentleness and actually tore down pride that the person had been like known for for years. It actually broke that down. I've seen where the loss of someone close to you produced all kinds of compassion and sensitivity and empathy for other people that are walking through that same world. We've seen this. It had its full effect. This is, this is what it happens. So I want to ask you again, when you think of this trial or these trials that you're dealing with, and again, we don't have to play comparison. Well, that would be really bad. This is not so. We don't have to do that. Think of the trial that maybe God brought to your mind. And I just want to ask, can you begin to visualize some pathway where God might be working to produce something in you that you'll be really glad it's there long haul? You can't change the trials that are happening. It's not going to change even my initial reaction. So my initial reaction generally is going to be, this really hurts. Wow, that didn't go as I planned. This is really hard. Like, I really would prefer this not to be in my life. This really just makes me sad. I feel like I lost something really important to me. That's going to be the initial reaction. But what if I could change my perspective in that I consider meeting various trials as something I actually could face with joy if I assessed and appraised the situation very differently? If I know something is happening and something good is happening, that changes things. That changes things. I want to just take one more look at this passage because I want, I want you to see some words that I think in some ways are just hiding in plain sight. So in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, count it all joy. And then I just want you to notice the next two words. Count all joy, my brothers. And when James says that, he's saying, it's kind of the convention of the time, he's saying my brothers and sisters. We could even easily say, count it all joy, my family. That's so helpful for me to hear because I might think I am just individually 
kind of isolated, experiencing my trial. And what James says is here we are gathered together, a group of people from all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different, like even generations. And yet, all of us can say like, family, this is a family situation. We are going to be experiencing trials of various kinds, all of us, all of us, which is so helpful for me to hear. Because it may mean that one step I take is this trial that I feel like I've been dealing with in an isolated way. I actually can go to someone else, maybe even after this service. We're not talking about whining here. But we could ask, could you pray for me because I am dealing with this trial? And what Curtis said, I want that. I need help. And what you can know is there's a family who is also processing this. These trials of various kinds. What if we helped each other? What if we helped each other assess this as joy? What if we reminded each other this weekend? And yeah, we've got to be sensitive. We don't want to use the Bible as a club or something like that. But what if we were to encourage one another saying, endurance is doing something here. It is producing something in you. It's a long race ahead of us and you are learning to endure. Harder things could await. We don't know, but you are learning to endure. What if we were alongside each other, just kind of cheering each other on? What if God brought, even right now, two to three people in mind where you say, I know they're facing a trial, and I will be the voice of encouragement saying, I believe God's doing a work in your heart, and I am with you in this. And even if you fall, I'll be with you to help you get back up. I'm in this. I'm in this with you. What if we did that? What if we helped each other kind of across the finish line like we can see it we're going to make it we are going to make it i said at the beginning i think it takes a lot for someone to change their mind and their perspective i'm not saying this will be just an easy quick step and we'll all walk out of that door going oh yeah now i consider it all you know i'm not saying it's going to be that simple but i am guessing i am guessing even as it takes some time that god has given you something you can like anchor your heart to today. Let me tell you, God, you can trust God to tell you the truth. This is what's happening. Something is happening and you can trust him. That God is developing something in you. You can have the perspective he's told you to have, even as it's so, so difficult. And I just ask for the Lord's help in that. Let me pray for us today, all right? Thank you, Lord, for helping us hear a word that in many cases is hard. So there are complex, difficult situations of which there will be no remedy tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday. Help us, Lord. Help us to have this perspective. Help us to know something is happening. Fill us with hope in believing that. And I pray that you would do a good work so that you would produce in the people that call Ogletown home here, you would produce in us something that is complete and whole and perfect and not lacking. So where um, you are bringing people to mind who just need voices of encouragement along the way, kind of partnered arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, I pray that we would, we would continue to walk through with this perspective. Remind us. You are at work. I pray even the song that we sing now will direct our attention to that. Thank you, Lord. Give us grace to believe what we sing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.